We never know where life will lead us or what may hinder us along the way. But while every day can feel like one big question mark, it doesn't have to. With the right insights, strategies, and solutions from Western and Southern Financial Group, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right, so, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I gonna get sued? We got legal on this. I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Pelzola, Sam Monson. We're live on YouTube. Are we really, though? Going through the biggest off-season additions in the AFC. Mm -hmm. We already touched on all the NFC teams. We did that on Monday, so go check that out. Great show, great discussion, so check it out if you haven't. And now today we'll go team by team in the AFC, roughly in reverse alphabetical order. Yes, of course. Per request by a Bills fan who wanted the build-up and anticipation of having the Bills mm. be discussed. Instead of us starting, because we always start AFC East, we start with the Bills, now they're second to last. The good news is that hopefully there's, uh, you know, there's hyperlinks to the, what are they called? Links, yeah, yeah. Links. Play links? Know? Right, play links to the various parts that we Time talk stamps. about. Timestamps. Timestamps, there you go. That's what Play links is the ultimate term. Yeah, right. Sorry. So, you know. If you're not familiar with reverse alphabetical order by conference, you can just click to wherever the hell your team is. Yeah, I'm not asking you to memorize it or anything like that, but uh, we should have, we should have timestamps. But before we get started, don't forget, as a parent, your top priority is always your children's well-being. You want to give them everything they need to grow and thrive, both now and in the future, with term life insurance from Fabric by Gerber Life. Help protect your family so their future is secure no matter what happens. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy quickly, often in less than 10 minutes. Life insurance can have a bad rap for being complicated, but Fabric makes it easy to apply with its seamless digital experience. It's all online and on your time. And if you need the extra support, you can access a team of licensed agents who can answer questions that you have along the way. Take steps to help protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Take the 60-second quiz to find out if term life insurance is right for you and apply today in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash PFFNFL. That's meetfabric.com slash PFFNFL. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash PFFNFL. Policies issued by Western, Western Southern Life Insurance Company and distributed by Gerber Life Agency, LLC, using Fabric Technologies. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. For more information, visit us at meetfabric.com slash PFFNFL. All right, man, you ready to go? Let's go. Starting with the Tennessee Titans, we will not forget the Titans on this show. Most important off-season addition for the Titans. Again, do you want me to start or do you want me to kick it to you? How do you want to, how do you want to run you this? Can, you can kick him off. All right, I'll go GM Rand Carthon as the most important off-season addition for the Titans for a couple reasons here. First, I don't think they have a lot of on-field big-time additions, unless you want to say Will Levis as a second-round quarterback maybe as you know, potentially the future in Tennessee. But the most important thing here, John Robinson out. They needed a new GM. They need someone who's going to work with Mike Vrabel, right? You got, you got to have that. Rand Carthon comes over from the San Francisco 49ers. 
you could also make the case there was a there was an analytics transaction last weekend. Sarah Bailey moved from the Los Angeles Rams to the Tennessee Titans. So what we're seeing here is the Titans are going to be uh, using data a little bit more than they had in the past. Rand Carthon comes from the Niners, who are a pretty data-driven organization. So the totality of all that, I think Rand Carthon is the most important off-season addition here for the Titans. Okay, yeah. I Sarah think. Bailey, by the way, she was running the analytics department for the Super Bowl champion, former Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. Right. Um, yeah, you can make a case for either of those. Um, I think Will Levis is that guy, though. Um, the I don't think Will Levis falling into the second round was necessarily an indication that people viewed Will Levis as a second-round talent. I think it was more a case of there were only X number of sort of available starting obvious spots that people desperately wanted quarterbacks, and once those had been taken, now that guy was going to slide, you know? So the Colts, I think, have said that Levis was like their second option after Richardson. It's just that they had their shot at Richardson. So once they got him, Levis was going to slide. And once he did slide into the second, I think it actually ends up being a perfect situation for both player and team because now he's not under pressure to be the starter from day one. Tannehill is still there. Um, But neither is he a low enough draft pick that you're immediately throwing away any chances that he has of starting. So... Hendon Hooker in the third round, for example, is already low enough that you're like, I mean, if he shows something, fine, but if not, it's basically a throwaway pick. We're not expecting anything from Hendon Hooker. Will Levis at the top of the second um, and the kind of coveted spot at the top, he now has a pathway to succeed Ryan Tannehill if he shows enough. Now, we're in OTAs and he's already struggling with accuracy, but they're also trying... There's a few video drills that are out there and they're clearly trying to fix the thing that was obvious from him on tape as a problem of sometimes his footwork gets a little bit janky when he's trying to throw to his left and it gets kind of stuck in the ground. Like they're working on that right now. So of course his accuracy is going to stink while they're figuring out if they can fix those mechanical problems. But point being, they ended up getting a quarterback at the top of the second round that actually fits perfectly in the timeline of succession that they have in this franchise and can be the guy going forward. If he ends up being that guy, that's the most important move they made. All right, I think those are both viable options for the Titans. They're in this, I've used it a few times, I used it on the last show, competitive rebuild. It's not a complete overhaul. They're still still in the AFC South. How hard could it be, even with Trevor Lawrence there? They're still there. They could be competitive. I think Mike Rabel's a very good coach. So this isn't one of those complete overhauls in Tennessee. So either they found the quarterback of the future in Will Levis, or they found the GM of the future in Rand Carthon. I think either one's a good answer there for the Titans. How about the Pittsburgh Steelers up next? Most important offseason addition. So for me, Patrick Peterson comes in to play corner, but I think it's the Allen Robinson throwaway trade. Just because the upside could be incredible, yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to be an Allen Robinson buyer until he retires, probably, and get burned for it along the way. He didn't work with the Rams, but could he work here? If Allen Robinson is just a smidge of what he potentially could be, him, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, with second year of Kenny Pickett, I think the potential of Allen Robinson makes him the most important offseason addition. Even though it was just a seventh rounder that was thrown the Rams' way for him. Yeah, they, they drafted, or they had an offseason of a lot of sort of high potential players coming in. 
I think Robinson is definitely one of those players, and you're right, if he hits anything like the high end of that we've already seen from him, it's a phenomenal move. You can make, I think, a similar case for Darnell Washington, who they ended up getting in the third round. The first round talk for him, the giant tight end out of Georgia, always felt a little bit crazy to me. I, I never quite saw that player in him, but he ends up going pick number 93, you know, the bottom end of the third round, and that to me is a little bit crazy. Like, I think clearly he's fairly solidly in the middle of those two extremes but if he hits anything like the high end of his potential outcomes he's a insane game-changing presence at tight end and then the other player I think that has special potential relative to where he was drafted is Joey Porter Jr. who they get the top of the uh, the second round the very top pick number 32 which was a second round pick this year because of Nauting Miami um Joey Porter Jr., I think, has as much potential <clears throat> as any cornerback in this draft. I don't think he's necessarily limited to being a man corner only. I think he has the feel for zone, understands what he's reading, understands where he's supposed to be, and just needs a little bit of coaching in terms of how to maximize that and be a little bit more patient. But Joey Porter Jr., I think, has all the skill set to be a really high-end elite corner, and they got him in the second round as opposed to the first when a lot of people were connecting the two in the first round. So part of the reason why I liked the Steelers offseason is because we have all these options and because you just the, the two players you described high upside, Joey Porter Jr., Darnell Washington, I described Allen Robinson high upside. I think that's what's exciting about the Steelers offseason is they did bring in these guys and when we're analyzing their moves it's like, you know, you kind of lean into if the upside hits you see how this could be a massive offseason for the Steelers moving the organization forward. We didn't even mention their first first-round pick, Broderick Jones. Mm -hmm. He might be the most important player as well just because he potentially solidifies the left tackle spot. Even if he's not great, just having good solid play at left tackle is an upgrade from what they've had over Dan Moore the last couple of years. So the Steelers actually have several options for the most important offseason addition. Let us know. Who do you think? But I, I lean toward Allen Robinson just because of what he could be there in Pittsburgh. All right, New York Jets are up next. Hmm. Tricky one. Any uh, any other options besides Aaron Rodgers and friends? No. Of course it's Aaron Rodgers. Next. Yeah. It is. I mean, you can can you even construct an argument for anybody else? No. There's nothing else. Right. Even so let's let's make up some analysis around this. <laughs> You couldn't, I mean, Will McDonald is an important draft pick because he's their first-round draft pick, but, like, they already have a really good pass rush, so, eh. Nathaniel Hackett? Just because it got Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Yeah. Go go to the go to the source? I mean, you, that's that's the closest argument I can think of, that the, the Aaron Rodgers move began with the acquisition of Nathaniel Hackett, and therefore, that's the most important thing. And friends. <coughs> Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. Jets legends here coming over hmm. with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, we, look, I'll probably say it another hundred times leading up to the season, but the Aaron Rodgers, Nathaniel Hackett dynamic is going to be the fascinating one to watch because Rodgers can probably be the overpowering personality there and it will become his offense over Hackett's offense. Right? That's what I'm kind of sensing coming out of New York. So... Obviously, Rodgers is the most important offseason addition, but then that relationship with Hackett and how much this becomes the Aaron Rodgers show rather than Aaron Rodgers playing in Mike McCarthy's system, in Mike, uh, Matt LaFleur's system. It's, is this Aaron Rodgers' system with Nathaniel Hackett as just kind of 
his buddy there telling him some jokes. You know, so that's the story I'm watching here. It's all on Rodgers here. Like, this is, this is part of Rodgers' legacy and, you know, just topping off a, a Hall of Fame career. And for the Jets, this is the team, you know, quarterback they've been looking for for a long time. Yeah, and the other reason it's so important is how important the Jets made it. Like, very early on, they clearly zeroed in on Aaron Rodgers as the primary and, let's face it, only target. So they very quickly made this an all-or-nothing proposition of we either come out of this offseason with Aaron Rodgers or we're screwed. Like, the the backup option was nothing. They didn't have anybody. They lost Mike White uh, to the Dolphins in free agency. Like, it would have been going back cap in hand to Zach Wilson and hoping you could, you know, get him back on track next season. It would have been a complete and total unmitigated disaster. So that's another reason it's super important is they made this an all-or-nothing entity this this offseason and ended up coming away with him. So all the eggs went in the Aaron Rodgers basket, and now they need to make sure they actually do something with that as opposed to breaking them all. All right, next up is the New England Patriots, most important offseason edition. As of recording time here, they have not signed DeAndre Hopkins, although they're they're in the mix here. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts here. I'm going Bill O'Brien. Yep. I think that feels like the obvious one for the Patriots, just going from Matt Patricia to former Patriots defensive coordinator, coordinator Bill O'Brien. Would a DeAndre Hopkins signing trump that, though? Is Bill O'Brien the most important one, or is it DeAndre Hopkins no, I think, if he were to sign? I think Bill O'Brien is still the most important. Um, Agreed. Getting a coach, just a viable, decent, offensive-minded coach around Mac Jones is the most important thing. Yes, it would be great if Mac Jones had a high-end wide receiver, another high-end wide receiver to throw to. Um, I think they've, they've improved the receiving core, even if it's still not great. Um, DeAndre Hopkins would make it better. It would be great to add him to the mix. It wouldn't be as big of a difference as going from the disaster that they had last season around Mac Jones to putting a competent coaching situation around him. And Bill O'Brien is a good offensive coach. He's been in New England before. Um, he's had a track record in both the NFL and college. And Mac Jones has already shown the capacity to play at a high level in the NFL. So they need to, one, fix him this year, and two, see how high they can get him this offseason because anything short of the anything short of a sign that he can be a really good player going forward, they're going to be moving on from him anyway. The other player I think you could make a case for is Christian Gonzalez. Yeah. Because as much as I didn't love him as a prospect at all, it's because of what he is right now, not what he can become in the right environment. And New England is the right environment. I mean, you're going to the best defensive coach, arguably, of all time. And he's always had the potential like the physical tools are perfect i mean that's that's his selling point right now so if you're saying you're giving bill belichick a cornerback with basically perfect tools and setting him off to work with him that i mean that could produce something phenomenal yeah i think you have the the, the right answers there it's bill o'brien number one if if they were to sign deandre hopkins i would say he's number two um as i've said i, I don't think this is just playing fantasy football I don't think the Patriots, who have a, they have a good, solid roster. I think we're we're higher. We we have them middle of the pack roster wise. ESPN had them what in the bottom five when they were just looking at their core players going forward. I think the Patriots are solid and they've got a good coaching staff and all that. But I don't think they have a shot in the AFC East unless the pass game gets dramatically better. 
Bill O'Brien's one step in that direction. DeAndre Hopkins would be another step in that direction. How could they compete with the Bills, Jets, and Dolphins without those two additions? And then you're right, Christian Gonzalez with those tools could become a star just because of uh, Bill Belichick, the, the history of what he's able to do at the cornerback position. So how about this happens? The player you benched in fantasy football just went off. But with Best Ball on DraftKings, you get the best of your team all season long. This year, Best Ball on DraftKings is bigger and better than ever with $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes up for grabs. Join DraftKings' biggest Best Ball contest today and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. Enter DraftKings' Best Ball Millionaire Contest and snake draft your team for the season. Each week, you'll automatically rack up points from all your top scorers. No ads, no drops, no trades. Teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the $1 million top prize. Head to DraftKings app and sign up with code PFF. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament. Get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars. That's code PFF only on DraftKings. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer. Opt-in required with $10 entry fee. Bonus issued is 10 DK dollars. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void were prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. Ends July 14th, 2023. Had a listener ping uh, our friend Mina Kimes about getting a terms and conditions person onto her show. Mm -hmm. Actually, did she just ask me to... You want to apply? She just sent me a DM. I did not respond to her yet. I'm going to do that right now. She wants me to join her pod for uh, an AFC North preview. I mean, maybe that's what she's saying to you, but actually what she wants is you to join to be the terms and conditions guy. For the right price, I will do terms and conditions for anyone. <laughs> I am up for grabs. I feel like I could be a good terms and conditions voiceover person. Hmm. I just need one or two tries at it, and I'll, I'll get it. And one I or two, huh? One, one to two. That's it. Uh, for, I, if you give, for the right price, 30 seconds of work, willing to do it. What about those radio people that need it like real fast? I can do that. Yeah. Probably need three to four tries. Yeah. <laughs> so two minutes of work feels worth it. All right, next up, Los Angeles Chargers. Are they really next up? No, it's Miami Dolphins. Had some issues with the reverse alphabetical order. Miami Dolphins, most important offseason addition, Sam. Vic Fangio. Oh, that's right. Vic Fangio. Um, this, I mean... Not Mike White. No. Mike White's a good addition, but not the most important. Vic Fangio is running the defense. Like, he's the guy that, that essentially, not pioneered, like, the system that is in vogue at the most right now is taken from his system, effectively. Like, it's, he's the godfather of what's being run right now by most of the successful defenses in the NFL, and he still runs it at as high a level as anybody does. And you bring him in to a defense in Miami – it has a ton of talent. And by the way, they add more talent. Jalen Ramsey coming in as well. But you already have the likes of Xavier Howard and Jalen Phillips and Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer. You know, Bradley Chubb they added last year. Okay, he's not necessarily the player they thought they were getting, but he's still a good player. Javon Holland in the secondary. Like, there's a lot of talent on this defense. And now you're bringing in a guy who runs the defense that everybody is trying to emulate right now. That could make this team... I think the best coach team in the NFL when you factor in Mike McDaniel's offense and Vic Fangio's defense. So is that more important than bringing Jalen Ramsey into play corner? Yeah, wow. I think so. I think I mean I, to me it's definitely between those two. The Mike White joke is obviously you know to a with the injury history, Mike White coming in as the backup to keep the offense ticking if that ever is is needed. But 
to me it is between Jalen Ramsey and Vic Fangio. And part of the Jalen Ramsey addition, who's good everywhere, but him in Fangio's defense yes. looks awesome. Right, they work together, but I think Fangio is the more important addition. So Jalen Ramsey pairs with Xavier Howard, one of the better cornerback duos in the NFL. Ramsey plays well in this off-coverage zone type of system that Vic Fangio is bringing to the table. But if we talked about Rodgers coming in, with the Jets, think about all these matchups we're going to get this year. Vic Fangio and the Dolphins defense going up against Josh Allen and the Bills, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. We just talked about the addition of Bill O'Brien as offensive coordinator for the Patriots. Those We're going to see those matchups six times this year. Um, and then if if the Dolphins just take this step forward defensively, where they have some talent. You know, Jalen Phillips is emerging as one of the better young edge defenders in the league. Christian Wilkins, a very underrated defensive lineman. They've got some talent on that side of the ball. If Fangio does tie it all together with the explosive Dolphins offense, they're going to be tough to beat, man. Mm-hmm. Other than, you know, so is everyone else in the AFC. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with what you said. I'll go with Vic Fangio 1A, Jalen Ramsey 1B. Why is Jalen Ramsey? I mean, he still grades well. He can play inside or outside. Even as he gets older, one of the best, if not the best corners in the NFL. I don't think he's – slowing down I don't think he's shown signs that he's losing a step or anything like that so until he does I think Ramsey's a top three corner in the NFL and that's a massive addition for the Dolphins to go with Fangio yep all right Los Angeles Chargers sticking with coordinators here because I'm going Kellen Moore as the most important addition for the Chargers at OC it probably is right so here's here's the the stat again I'll, I'll reference many many times here Justin Herbert the guy that uh has a cannon for an arm, can make special throws, can throw 55 yards in the air, you know, to a pizza box. Justin Herbert. What? Pizza box? Is that big? I don't know. To, uh, to an index card. It's, you're, you're the embodiment of that meme of, you know, the Americans will use anything but the metric system. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Justin Herbert throws it 55 yards into a pizza box. What, what, what should he throw it to? He's, Herbert has averaged under eight yards per target. Average depth of target under eight each year in Herbert's career. And that's across multiple systems. And even though, you know, last year it was all uh, Joe Lombardi. It's all his fault, right? It's all the coordinator's fault. It might be. You know, maybe the dink and dunk approach that the Chargers have taken with Justin Herbert is a play calling issue. But we'll find out now. Mm-hmm. That, that's why Kellen Moore is the most important guy. Justin Herbert averaging under eight essentially being in the bottom five uh, most conservative quarterbacks, basically, we'll say using this metric, over the course of his career. Is this a Justin Herbert thing? Is it a system thing? We'll find out. Because this is the point in Herbert's career where he's got to start unloading, throwing the ball down the field. I have a feeling you might you know, talk about Quentin Johnston as maybe the most important addition as wide receiver three to go with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Can Kellen Moore get a more aggressive Justin Herbert. I don't want him to necessarily be one of the best in the league at avoiding turnover-worthy plays. I want that big-time throw rate to be higher because he's capable. And it's on Kellen Moore to create the big-time throw opportunities for Justin Herbert and just to create offense overall. So Kellen Moore, most important offseason addition for the Chargers. Yeah, I think it clearly is. You could make a case that Quentin Johnson is important for similar reasons, but it's all about unlocking the extra potential that is clearly there in Justin Herbert. And it's always a difficult thing to articulate because it's similar to the Aaron Rodgers discussion where, you know, Rodgers always took more sacks than he should necessarily, or than he should generally. But 
he offset that by having the best interception rate in NFL history. Like he would deliberately hold on to the ball too long, sometimes take some unnecessary sacks, throw it away rather than risk the turnover. So, and Russell Wilson, the conversation was similar, but in, for different reasons in Seattle of Russell Wilson is a really good player, but everybody right now acknowledges we're missing a percentage. He could be better. We think there's more to come. That's where Justin Herbert is right now. He's really, really good. Nobody disputes that. And a lot of the things he's good at are really important. Like being having the lowest turnover-worthy play rate in the NFL is objectively a good thing. Um, and nobody would argue otherwise. But a quarterback that is as talented and as good as he does simply should not lead the league in that category for two straight years. They shouldn't rank amongst the lowest quarterbacks in the league in average at the target. They shouldn't have the majority of their passes uh, short of the first down marker the way that he does. There's an awful lot of these numbers that all stack on top of each other that begin to paint this picture of a very conservative quarterback, which kind of makes sense if you're Alex Smith, you know, and you, you have a limited skill set. Justin Herbert does not, is not limited by his skill set. Like, he can do anything. He can make any play that anybody else basically can make. So that guy should not be skewing towards the conservative end of the spectrum. And if he is, now you need to identify why that's happening. Is it because the offense is asking him to do that more or at least sort of incentivizing him to be more conservative, um, whether that's the scheme, whether that's the receivers that he's working with, the fact that he has the slowest skill set or skill position players in the NFL, all these kinds of things. Or is this part of his game inherently? Like, is he a quarterback that will left to his own devices, always skew towards a more conservative end of the spectrum. Job number one is figuring out the answer to that question. Like, is this him or is this us? Because if it's us, we can change it. And if it's him, now we've got a more difficult task in our hands. But like, identifying the answer to that is the first question. And that I think is, or should be done with the addition of Kellen Moore, which is the most important thing. Just for some perspective and to clarify here, I'm not asking Justin Herbert to throw the ball to the defense more often. I'm saying if he's going to play like Alex Smith, and that's what he's doing. He's playing like a high-end Alex Smith early in his career. Low big-time throw percentage, low turnover-worthy play percentage. He's playing like a high-end game manager. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, if that's what you want, that's fine. But Herbert's capable of so much more. He has a career big-time throw percentage under 4%. Lower than Jimmy Garoppolo last right. year, lower than Davis Mills, lower than Kirk Cousins and Kenny Pickett and Carson Wentz. If you want to maximize Justin Herbert, get that number up to five because he's capable of it, and then you're creating some explosive offense. Yeah, so we can, you know, we can be truthful about what it is you're asking him to do. You are asking him to throw the ball to the defense more often, but only as a byproduct of being more aggressive and making big plays overall, which will be a net win. Right. Like, it's not like three more big time throws for every turnover worthy play. Yeah. If you just if, if if that's what you're bringing to the table, if that's what you're asking Herbert to do, hey, you're going to make a few more mistakes, but we're going to create three more potential explosives off of it. That's worth yeah. it. You're not asking him to just make more stupid errors. You're asking him to make more risky throws, which will create more stupid errors. But in an, in addition to making a whole bunch more big plays the net result of which will be a positive result for this team. Thanks and for him. clarifying for me. That, that was helpful. Yeah. So that's the Chargers. Kellen Moore and what he's going to do with Justin Herbert. Las Vegas Raiders, most important offseason edition. <laughs> is it Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, which is depressing. 
so I started with Jimmy Garoppolo, but now I I don't know if he's even a part of their long-term plans. But that's so, so I I pivoted to Tyree Wilson. But I think whether or not he ends up being part of their long-term plans, he's the most important offseason addition because he was the player that they identified as the we, we're getting rid of Derek Carr, right? You can't win a Super Bowl with Derek Carr. You know, this this world we got uh, criticized for putting in absolute terms, they made that determinant. They made that determination. You can't win with Derek Carr. This does us no good in a world where Patrick Mahomes is coming to town twice a year, where Justin Herbert's here in this division, um, where the AFC is loaded. Can't happen. We're getting rid of him. Doesn't matter that it's painful. Doesn't matter that we that he's been good to us over the years, that we owe him a lot of money. Getting rid of Derek Carr. And their solution after that was to go and get Jimmy G. The best thing of which the best thing you can say about it is don't worry they built into his contract that they can get rid of him if his foot is made of sugar glass and snaps before week one that's awful i think you're i don't think that's completely true though because it, it was the result yeah the result was they got jimmy garoppolo but they tried to do other things they just didn't do them so they did try to trade up to number one they did try to go get one of the quarterbacks in the draft they did make a play for Aaron Rodgers. So they ended up with their third or fourth option, which was Jimmy Garoppolo. So I don't think they went into the offseason and said, ah, aha, Derek Carr out, replace him with Jimmy Garoppolo. That's going to take us to the AFC Championship. I think Jimmy Garoppolo was their fallback option. Now, if you want to say, hey, they failed at options, you know, A, B, and C, and they landed at D mm-hmm. or whatever, then fine. You know, that's the criticism. But I don't think they went out of their way to go get Jimmy Garoppolo. It was just, hey, he's the best option available after first uh, our first options failed us. I mean, he still remains the most important addition that they've made because they failed to make the other additions. No, that's all fair. That's all true. At least for this year, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Long term, it's Tyree Wilson. I mean, picking him at number seven overall, and you have no impact players on the defense other than Max Crosby. You have an aging Chandler Jones. You need Tyree Wilson to be special. He needs to be... He needs to play like everybody expects him to play with crazy 35-plus-inch arms and the length and uh, you know, a nuisance pass rusher who just has, uh, who, who has the burst in, in size to make it really difficult on offensive tackles. Tyree Wilson has to be that guy because if you miss on him again, if you miss on another defensive player, there's just – how are you going to stop the Chiefs and the Chargers and maybe Sean Payton's Broncos in that division? You need Tyree Wilson. So Jimmy Garoppolo short-term, I'll say Tyree Wilson – in the long term because the Raiders just need any kind of playmaker on that side of the ball. All right, the Kansas City Chiefs up next. Most important offseason addition for the Chiefs. I'm going to go Jawan Taylor at tackle just because that's where they spent the money. Mm. They they went out of their way to go get free agent tackle Jawan Taylor from the Jacksonville Jaguars who has a very interesting grading profile. Very good. He's turned into a very good pass blocker at least for this past season and a half, maybe. Not great in the run game. He was supposed to be the opposite coming out of Florida. He was kind of a mauler in the run game. But if you watch his, if you watch the tape, guys, just whiffs on a ton of blocks. He's missing a ton in the run game. But he's a good pass protector. He was also rumored to be fighting for his job a year ago at this time. So if Jawan Taylor is just a one-year contract year wonder, that's an issue for Kansas City because they they're paying him $20 million a year. So... Juwan Taylor, most important offseason addition for the Chiefs. I think he'll be fine in pass pro. I don't know if that offensive line has taken a 
lateral slight or maybe slight step back as far as the run game goes but taylor is the most important offseason addition for the chiefs certainly the most obvious um charles amenahu on the defensive line pretty important addition same with their first rounder uh felix and adike ozama the combination of those pass rushers needs to kind of finally answer that problem spot that they've had for a while and they tried answering with frank clark didn't really work they tried answering with george karloftis at least in year one doesn't necessarily look like it's going to make a massive leap forward so some combination of those two guys i think needs to make a, a, a difference to this team um and that's probably the only guys you can make a real strong case for i mean rasheed rice maybe if andy reed can figure out the alchemy of why that guy's tape is so freaking weird i first had rasheed rice as my option yeah yeah like the potential for rasheed rice is really really high I, I love what that guy can do, but his tape is very strange. And if it remains very strange, he's probably not going to be like a massive player for them. No, I agree. I had Rice initially. I went with Taylor just because of the investment there on the offensive line. Yeah. And the Chiefs just you, – you don't want to take a step back on the line with, with Mahomes there. You just want to keep it keep it status quo. But the potential of Rasheed Rice, much like we answered oh. for other positions, is, is through the roof. The other one you can make a case for is Donovan Smith. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I thought about him as well, but Taylor, just more investment. So went with him. Much more investment. But remember, when they first signed him, they were like, he's our left tackle now, having never played left tackle before, ever, essentially. Never didn't do it in high or didn't do it in college, didn't do it in the NFL, and he's now quite a few years into his career. That immediately just sounds like a bad idea. And then they signed Donovan Smith much later on. Whether or not that had anything to do with having seen anything from Juwan Taylor is is besides the point point being they now don't need to mess around with that they can keep the right tackle on the right side and donovan smith lets them do that so the investment went to juan taylor but actually the more important signing might be the thing that prevents them shooting themselves in the foot and taking a good player from one side put him on the other side where he might stink and just causing all kinds of problems he didn't need to have yeah so basically second time in three years the Chiefs have overhauled both tackle spots in an offseason. So it's just something to keep an eye on to make sure that they don't take a step back offensively. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. I've debated whether or not Calvin Ridley counts here. I think he counts because yeah. you get him this offseason. I mean, that's got it's got to be Calvin Ridley, right? Yeah. For, for a Jags team, since Trevor Lawrence was drafted, I think we've all said, hey, we'd love to see a true number one wide receiver for Trevor Lawrence. And They've invested in Christian Kirk, spent a ton of money on Christian Kirk, but he's not your prototypical number one. I thought they did a great job with Christian Kirk last year. They, they played to his strengths. They schemed him open a little bit, moved him around, created some big plays. Christian Kirk has been a nice addition. Zay Jones has been a nice, solid addition. Evan Ingram was a good, solid addition. But Calvin Ridley could be a home run. Now, I don't yeah. know if he's a top 20 receiver. I don't know if he's real wide receiver one-ish, but... He's up there. He's close. And Ridley's route running as a complement to the other guys. I think Ridley, if he counts in our exercise here, has to be the answer here for the Jags. The last time we saw Ridley playing in the NFL, he was averaging 2.4-something yards per route run. Um, Christian Kirk led the team last year at 1.7-something. So it's a huge upgrade in production. He had 51 targets in five games, I think, before the suspension kicked in and they booted him out. So it's absolutely a huge upgrade to this team um, and to this offense it's moving now pretty quickly in the right direction given the development from Trevor Lawrence etc absolutely I think a huge addition 
a lot of pressure and therefore a pretty big move on Anton Harrison now that he needs to come in and replace Jawan Taylor. Um, so that's a pretty big move. But if you decide that Ridley counts and that you get him this offseason, I think that's the clear one. Yeah, Anton Harrison was my second option just because you're talking about a starting tackle uh, replacing Juwan Taylor, as you said, but Walker Little, the other option there, I don't think his, you know, he played a little bit last year, was okay. So starting right tackle, starting wide receiver, two of the most important positions for the Jags, both new players. But yeah, Calvin Ridley, definitely uh, the answer there for the Jags. Indianapolis Colts, mm-hmm. obviously. It's Anthony Richardson. Is it Richardson or is it Steichen? Okay. All right. I mean, yeah. So Richardson is obviously important. You can go head coach, yeah. Because he's the, he's the quarterback that they've identified as the guy taking you forward. But unlike – we had this conversation in the NFC show with Carolina and Bryce Young versus Frank Reich. Unlike Carolina, where Frank Reich being a good head coach is important, it's not going to be the thing that determines necessarily whether Bryce Young succeeds or fails. I think Shane Steichen coming from Philadelphia and having essentially just run this playbook, and by that I mean – a quarterback that is not ready to carry a team as a passer year one and actually is going to be a while away from doing it. And if you look at um, if you look at Jalen Hurts' grades by year, he went like 56 to 70-something to 88. Like it's a pretty big leap consecutive years. But the point being, if you were stuck with the guy that was grading in the 50s, that's not going to work. You're going to have to get rid of him. And if you're you know, if you don't have a huge amount of investment tied to him like they didn't with Jalen Hurts, they would have moved on uh, if you weren't able to construct an offense that functioned around his rushing ability. So Steichen, having just done that in Philadelphia, having seen how it works, having the understanding of how it works, and knowing that that's probably what he's going to have to do in Indianapolis might be the thing that determines whether or not Richardson succeeds or fails in the NFL in a way that I don't think is true with the dynamic in Carolina. Man, all good, fair points there. It, it, it does make sense to kind of tie the the head coach and the quarterback together a little bit more here. Um, so Shane Steichen, I, I, acceptable answer. I, I'm still going Anthony Richardson just because, of course, you know he's the guy whose development is is most dependent on Steichen. But it's whether or not he hits. That's the the future for the Colts. Um, their entire draft was fascinating because of all the athletes that they that they brought in i can't wait to watch all that unfold but it all comes down to richardson and his development and uh so him and steichen together pretty clear answer though for the colts that it's those two guys yeah i mean it's that combination and and no matter what they hit on in the rest of the draft doesn't matter if you're looking for a new coach or a new quarterback in three years so it's going to be those two guys tied together all right houston texans most important offseason edition which one of us is, is saying pff bobby uh, it depends on if he answers your text message or not. He still hasn't answered. No, so it's not him. No. Until Bobby decides. Until I mean, Bobby's going to be like our the other Bobby, Wagner. Yeah. You know, until he shows up on the show. Right, he's dead to us? Yeah. Okay. That's it. Got it. So until Bobby Slowick shows up on the show and talks a little off-season ball with us here, uh. it's uh, D'Amico Ryan's most important off-season edition for the Houston Texans. Above C.J. Stroud. Yes. I think it's D'Amico. Hmm. Because they have – the Texans actually have a lot of possible answers. I mean, you could make the point that it's Will Anderson because of what they gave up for him. That's exactly what I was going to say. You've got Stroud, who's hugely important because that was the quarterback they were stuck with, essentially, because they couldn't get Bryce Young. 
You've got D'Amico Ryans. You've got PFF Bobby, were it not for the fact that he's dead to us until he answers his text. <laughs> um, and you have how important Will Anderson is because of what is the, the trade that they made, which effectively is a negative EV move unless Anderson's amazing. Like, amazing, amazing. It's just, it's, it's a bad... It's a bad risk to take. It is choosing the small end of the odds because you think you know better than other people, which unfairly heaps a whole bunch of pressure on Will Anderson to be that guy to prove Casario and the Texans right. Yeah, there's many options here, huh? And by the way, if, they're, uh, if the Ridley thing counts, then John Mechie is a qualifier, you know, and, and potentially adds a, an impact receiver to that group. Don't you see why it's... I feel like it's a little short-sighted to just assume the Texans are going to be bad. I know the odds. The odds kind of have to place them there. But there's a lot of potential for improvement there. Starting with D'Amico Ryans, just just changing everything from the top down. Uh, Getting the new offensive system in there with Bobby. The fact that C.J. Stroud, you know, you at least have some hope with a new quarterback. Pick second overall. I guess guess Stroud has to be the answer. But I was going to lean D'Amico Ryans just because I – I think Stroud's fine. I think he's good. But I, I think Ryans has that chance. If he's a top eight coach, I think I think D'Amico Ryans has a better chance of becoming a top eight coach than Stroud has of becoming a top eight quarterback. So I think there's a better chance that D'Amico Ryans becomes like that Mike Vrabel type or Mike Tomlin type defensive-minded head coach that's there for a while, has has a track record of success with multiple quarterbacks. I think there's a possibility that that goes down more than maybe C.J. Stroud becomes the next top eight quarterback. The problem would be what happens if, if Ryans is a top eight coach, but they missed on the quarterback and got a bad one. Sometimes you could parse that out. Sometimes you can see that and feel it. You know, the, de- the defense is playing well. Everybody's playing hard. It's like, man, if we just change this. This happens around the league all the time. Um, the Broncos for a couple of years, we thought. Everything was good. Fangio and everything's good. Defense is good. But Fangio ended up carrying the can for that. I know that. I know. <laughs> Bad example. But we knew. We could see the difference. Yeah. Though. Well, that's so my problem. That's sometimes my you could see the difference where it's like 21 spots are good, but, man, that quarterback position, not I mean, so, once we upgrade it, we'll be that's fine. That's why it's tough to make the case that it's anybody other than Stroud because if Ryan's is the, you know, the second coming of Fangio and it works out the same way as it worked out in Denver – He's on to he the next be place because they, if they miss on Stroud. Fine. Sold. C.J. Stroud, most important person. Equally, you can make addition. the case that it's the, the, the former PFF, Bobby. Until he, uh, could be Bobby. If he answers a text, I'll say it's all Bobby. The ne- could be the next Kyle Shanahan. Actual, the actual, an actual former you know, member of the PFF NFL podcast. You, yeah. would, you wouldn't think it would be tricky to get back he on sat the, in the PFF chair here. NFL podcast. Sat in the chair. And, and yet, here it is. Unbelievable. Big was all, time. all about answering the texts until we asked him for something. Call him Big Time Bobby. <laughs> yeah. He likes, likes all the information we feed him, mm. draft suggestions and all that stuff, you know? Doesn't listen to him, but he likes them. No. All right, Denver Broncos. Sean Payton. Yeah. That's it. Next. Sean Payton and then all the additions that Sean Payton made. Pretty much. Every, Sean Payton and anything Sean Payton adjacent. But yeah, just to rehash the story of Sean, Sean Payton's job is to get the most out of Russell Wilson. It doesn't matter who he brings in. If you don't get the most out of Russell Wilson, Denver's in trouble. 
Mm. So the Sean Payton, Den, uh, Russell Wilson relationship, maybe the most important relationship in football this year. To Yeah, to get the most out of Russell Wilson or construct a Russell Wilson-proof offense, you know, to work around Russell Wilson to the point where it functions anyway. Some, something, one, any, any of those is fine, is essentially is brief. What about Russell Wilson's offseason training regimen? Is that the most important addition? Well, he hadn't. He stuck. He stuck with his same coaches, right? They haven't overhauled his personal staff. Maybe they got a new. Uh, maybe they got a new system. In I've place, only though. read about the about his personal staff. I haven't read about any additions to it this off season. I'll say this: I made some big gains when I went to a better trainer. Went, went, you know, got got the high end trainer. Changed our uh, training protocol a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Gained a couple MPHs. Almost made it to the big leagues because of it, you know? Could be it if Russell Wilson gets back in shape. No, but it's Sean Payton. There's no other answer. Yeah. Next. It is. You look at the list of options. There's I mean, it's not even – their offseason was about free agency. They added some offensive linemen. That's important, but it's not like the offensive line was a complete and total disaster anyway. And then the draft was fine, but Marvin Mims, you already have receivers, Drew Sanders, linebacker. Like, it's – those guys are pale in insignificance relative to the impact Sean Payton can have. All right, Cleveland Browns, most important offseason addition. I've gone a couple different ways on this. I think it has to be somewhere on the defensive line, though. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, Obo Okoronkwo, Zadarius Smith. Zadarius Smith might be the biggest name out of that group, but I'm going to go Dalvin Tomlinson because – their multi-year quest it's not even a quest they they neglected defensive tackle for years they went with mid mid-round picks at defensive tackle which is not a it's not a bad analytical move unless you just don't hit on average player even average players they've been below average at defensive tackle for multiple years now dalvin tomlinson immediately upgrades that position it it's just one player but it does There'll probably be fewer games where they just get run on like crazy. So Dalvin Tomlinson, Zadarius Smith, I think you can make that case because he's the guy opposite Miles Garrett. You can make the case for a couple others, but I'll go Dalvin Tomlinson. Most important offseason addition for the Browns. Yeah, that's a pretty big one. Um, I think Zadarius Smith would be the next guy on the list. Elijah Moore could be a sneaky important addition to that offense. Uh, I considered Moore because I'm I'm buying that hype hype as well. Buying all that June hype, Elijah Moore is going to be that dude mm-hmm. to go with Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones. But I, I love Elijah Moore as a buy low, yeah. year three move from the Jets. I'd make a, an argument that Dewan Jones was a pretty important, a potentially important move as well. Like, Good one, yeah. Guy goes in the fourth round. I think he had first round talent. It sounds like he slipped largely for... However, you want to describe that, like attitude issues, concerns, you know, the, the the stuff that Chris Collinsworth talked about pre-draft and during the draft shows. This idea that he just turned everybody off with the way he handled the entire offseason process, which you know, going in, in the fourth round, if he thought he was going the first, is is a real wake up call. Which goes one of two ways, right? Either he, either he just sort of gets bitter and doesn't like lives up to the, continues the path that he was on and just pisses everybody off, or it's like it's the chip on his shoulder to kind of prove that he should have been a first-round player. And if he does, like he could be a starting tackle for them before long. All good choices. I think it also shows, much like with the Steelers where there were multiple options, I think the Browns 
not I mean there, there aren't splash moves here necessarily Tomlinson's the biggest splash move financially for the Browns but there's a lot of good solid moves that should make them better and if it coincides with Deshaun Watson being better Browns are making a run mm-hmm. next year all right Cincinnati Bengals biggest offseason move my my first instinct was Orlando Brown Jr. yeah physically the biggest offseason move that's got to be the answer right probably yeah competing with me as the the biggest person in Cincinnati <laughs> we're in uh tight competition here yeah I mean and an unexpected move for them as well like they were not planning on that as a as a free agent addition and then the way free agency unfolded they didn't get a, or they lost a couple of players they were expecting to spend money on Orlando Brown didn't get the kind of contract he was looking for and all of a sudden they were like hey what do you think about making this move and everyone was like yeah yeah let's do it so I think that's the move right just just because they locked up a left tackle that you know they feel is an upgrade over Jonah Williams I think all the all our stats and grades would show that he is an upgrade, even though he's not – he's been good. I mean, he's a good left tackle, mm-hmm. uh, above-average left tackle. So I, I think that is the right move for the Bengals. The other one that I would consider, though, is first-round pick Miles Murphy yeah. from Clemson because if he hits, we've talked a lot about the leeway that he gives them from a roster-building standpoint. Maybe you don't have to pay Trey Hendrickson in a couple of years. If Miles Murphy hits as a good edge defender – it, it not only does it give you cheap play for a few years, it gives you that roster flexibility to keep T. Higgins in a couple right. of years. You're less inclined to, to debate T. Higgins versus Trey Hendrickson or that next defensive player. It might have a you know, cascading effect around the roster. Miles Murphy is obviously not without question marks, um, but players with his skill set don't tend to be available at 28 overall. Like Those guys are usually gone way before that because the upside is is so insane. When you turn on Miles Murphy tape, you are immediately struck with how insane his ability is in terms of twitch, you know, explosiveness, the capacity to do basically anything he wants. It's the consistency that's a problem. But like this is a similar conversation to Tyree Wilson, who went seven. You know what I mean? Like Those guys are usually long gone by the time the Bengals pick rolled around. All right, so Bengals, I think we both agree, Orlando Brown. Uh, but, yeah, Miles Murphy is my second. Um, and we'll see. Like, we might be sitting here a year from now saying, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, they got Jordan Battle as a potential starting safety in round three or my guy DJ Turner as a potential starting corner in round two. We might be talking about those guys soon. But I'll go Orlando. Orlando Brown is the most important here for the Bengals. Uh, Buffalo Bills. Have you tempted to say Deontay Hardy? No. Okay. I know, because we love him. Mm. That's not the guy, though. No, love that move, but not the biggest addition they've made. Um, no, I'll, I'll go first-round pick. I'll go Dalton Kincaid. Yeah. Is there someone else that you would want to put up there, though? Uh, you could put Osiris Torrance, maybe, depending on whether he's able to force his way into that starting lineup and improve the offensive line, because that, I think, became problematic for them last season. Uh, you can't really claim... Can't really claim anything else. Here's what, here's what Kincaid can do for this offense. Okay, so when you're looking at let's let's say he's a wide receiver because we've talked about you know maybe is he running the Cole Beasley route tree? Is he really just a big slot? But he's running the slot receiver route tree. Stephon Diggs is your alpha receiver. Gabriel Davis, you don't have to. He doesn't have to be the two. There's less pressure on Gabe Davis. He could be just just your good size deep threat now. Deontay Hardy can be your wide receiver four, take the top off the D type of guy, which you, you and I both think he, he can be. Now Kincaid, is, and Dawson Knox can be your truer tight end. Kincaid now 
is your possession type receiver. Work the middle of the field, underneath stuff, run the seam and all that stuff. Not only will he, could he become a high-volume pass catcher, will this help Josh Allen cut down on his turnover-worthy plays? Will Josh Allen not have to force as many passes as he did last year? He has his security blanket in Kincaid, and that has a big effect on the entire offense, just having Josh Allen take better care of the ball. Yeah, I mean, I loved Kincaid's tape in college. I thought he is very, very similar to Travis Kelsey. Kelsey's in that category where it's like it's unfair to compare people to him like Aaron Donald, but you can see why people do with Kincaid. He moves in a similar way. He's very good after the catch like Kelsey. He does a lot of the things Kelsey does well to a high level already in terms of understanding defenses, not just finding the space in them, but actually increasing the space itself by how he runs routes and how he manipulates defenders. If he hits the high end of what he could do, he's a transformative player for an offense that's already amongst the best in the league. Yeah, I'm going Kincaid, man, with you. Pretty clear then in Buffalo? Yeah, I think so. All right, so the Bills were second to last there. You had that, that Bills fans, you like that anticipation, the build-up to here? The reason we're doing the whole thing in this ridiculous order was yes. that. Yeah. yeah. We got to mix up the orders sometimes. Keep it fresh here in June. All right, last team, 32 of 32, most important offseason addition for the Baltimore Ravens. Hmm. Todd Monken? Probably, yeah. New I mean, offensive coordinator. You're getting rid of Greg Roman. What you're replacing him with is probably the most important thing. Obviously, Lamar Jackson comes back, but that's not a new addition. That's a retention. So re-signing him is important, but you're changing the offense for the first time. This offense was literally constructed in a basement somewhere around Lamar Jackson. Not literally. No, I think it was. I think they literally said that they built this thing in the basement. Like they had, they were working on this while the rest of the, everybody was doing whatever they were doing for the Joe Flacco offense. In the basement. I think it was the basement. I might be wrong about that. But it, I, there's an article out there, presumably in the, on The Athletic, because that's where all articles are these days. But there's an article out there on The Athletic, I think, that was talking about how they built this custom offense around Lamar Jackson on the side. I think it was in the basement. Sure hope it was, because you've been citing that for a while. I don't want you know, the, the I mean, Ravens was, building to sue us. It was either in the basement or it was in the metaphorical basement. Could've but I think it was in the literal one. Could have been in the attic. Maybe. Where my office is. So, yeah. I mean, what does this offense look like? So, I considered OBJ. Yeah. yeah he's a one-year deal. You can consider first-round pick Zay Flowers because if he's as good as other people think he is, maybe mm -hmm. we're a little lower. But if he's as good as people think he is, okay, that's a huge addition, of course, for the Ravens. Yep. But it's what this offensive system looks like. Not taking anything away from Lamar Jackson, but if this system gets away from him running at all or does uh, focuses less on creating running opportunities for him and really running opportunities for their running backs. You know, their running backs – Roll out of bed averaging 4.8, five yards per carry because of Lamar in the misdirection and the uh, just the indecisiveness that you create on the defensive side of the ball. If if Todd Munkin's defense, offense loses any of that, then the sliders, right? Run game goes down. The pass game has to be that much. He, must, he has to be that much better at creating in the pass game. So that has to be the most important offseason addition for the Ravens. A new system. For Lamar Jackson, where you still want to tap into his skill set, but you also want to keep him healthy. You want to keep defenses off balance. 
how are they going to pull that all together? Yeah. The reason that OBJ, I think you can make the argument, is number one, they put a, a large amount of money towards him for a guy that's quite a question mark at this point in his career. And number two, we've seen what happens when the OBJ thing doesn't work well. And whether or not it's his fault, it becomes a big distraction and media hoopla, you know, like around why it's not going well. So I'm not placing the blame at that at the feet of OBJ. It's just a reality of the situation. So they have signed on for that risk that if this thing goes to hell and he doesn't make a big impact or doesn't end up being a positive influence for this offense, like it'll be worse than it would for that miss for any other player just because of the nature of how the whole world surrounds that guy. It's a one-year investment for OBJ. That'd be the argument maybe sure. against it. Multi-year investment, of course, in a guy like Zay Flowers. Right. So the receiver position is crucial for the Ravens, but if they don't have an offensive system that's playing to Lamar Jackson's strengths, then I don't think any of it matters. So mm -hmm. that's the answer for the Ravens. This is a fun little exercise. I like this. Biggest off-season additions. Get, get a little creativity. Sometimes it's just the first-round pick. Sometimes it's an owner. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's, it's the coaches and – you know, let us know if we missed anything. Biggest offseason additions across the NFL. Just AFC here today. We did the NFC back on Monday. Go check that out if you have not already. We didn't get two out there. There was no, uh, you know, popcorn vendor, as you suggested, might be possible. Nothing yeah, crazy. there's no, no popcorn vendor. Nobody signed the, uh, you know, the doctor from the Rams system that the Vikings did last offseason. That wasn't a thing this year. See, we, we didn't anticipate that. Maybe we didn't. We should have had that last year. Yeah. For the Vikings. That would have been a good one. If we had some anticipation, but we didn't. All right. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow with more PFF NFL podcasts.